1: The theology, deep theology, high theology, and doctrine. And now all of a sudden, Paul just breaks, and now we hear the heart of a pastor. That's how a pastor is. A pastor will give it to you and give you doctrine and help you to understand deep things of God if he can, but then that pastor's heart begins to just bleed through, and it begins to come back to the heart of a pastor, to the heart of a ministry, to the heart of the ministry and the heart of a minister. And that's what we see here. So Paul begins now to move to the heart of the ministry, the heart of a pastor. Point number one in our outline, a true pastor becomes like the people he is ministering to. I want you to look at verse 12 again. Brethren, notice verse 12. I urge you to become like me for I become like you. Do you see it? Now, this is a difficult statement for theologians because the tenses in the Greek language are a little confusing and even some are misleading. Actually, this verse could be translated many ways. Could be translated, become as I am, for I also as you, brethren, I beg you. It could be translated, become like me. Paul could be saying, become like me because I was once like you. Paul could be saying, become like me because I am like you. He could be saying, become like me because I became like you. We don't know. But what we do know is that he is simply saying he wishes that they were more like him in example because he was once like them. Remember, he is talking to the Judaizers. And what he means is when he says, I was once like you, he means that I was once a strict law keeper. And he said it himself. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul laid it out for you. Paul said, hey, (laughs) I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, blameless. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. I kept the law. He says, but what things were counted to me in Philippians chapter 3? Read it in your own time. He says, but what things were counted to me? Those things I count lost. And yea, do I still count them lost for the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I count those things as dung. They all mean nothing. Paul says, I used to be like that. Paul says when he came to Galatia, he was wearing what I like to call the garments of freedom in Christ. For so many years, Paul was a slave and in the bondage to law and on the road to Damascus. Don't you know your Bible? Hmm? Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, Paul set God, set Paul free and now Pastor Paul wants the same freedom that he enjoyed to be enjoyed by the Galatian believers. And he doesn't want them to go back under the law like slaves. Like a pastor, Paul loves them. Like a pastor, Paul cares for them. Can I go one step further? Paul even likes them. <laughs> you ever hear people say that? I, I, I love you, but I don't like you. I'm like, would you tell me what that means? I don't even know. What, is, what does that mean? I love you, but I don't, I don't like you. Well, wait a minute. How can you love me and not like me? Well, why don't I tell you something? I don't even like you. <laughs> I love you, but I don't even like you. Paul likes them. Pastor Paul likes them. Do you know something? And you'll find this to be interesting. There are a lot of ministers People in the pulpits of America today that don't like people. It's true, isn't it? They don't they don't like people. I've talked to them and they have told me they said they like to preach and they like to teach, but they don't like people. I said, well, why don't you go down to the veterinarian place and preach to the animals or something? What do you mean you don't like people? You know, somebody once said the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. You mean you don't like people? You have to like people. Paul loved this church, these believers. Paul cared for them. He liked them. He loved them. He said, I urge you to become like me and follow my example. Christian, listen, if you hear nothing else, look, if you're sleepy, go sleep after I say this. I mean it. You are an example, period, cut and dry, period. You are an example. The question is, what kind of example are you? Are you a good example? Are you a bad example of a believer? You know, some people, they're a bad example of a believer. Listen, if you're not going to be a good example of a believer, please do us all a favor. Don't tell anybody you're a believer, Just live the way you want to live, but don't tell anybody you're a believer. Just keep, like, be a closet Christian. It's okay. I'm serious. Don't tell anybody. Because when you tell people you're a Christian, then they expect you to act like one. And they have every reason to expect you to act like one. And and it is fair for them to expect you to act. You're saying that you follow Christ. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. It means to follow Christ. It means to be an imitator of Christ. So when you tell people, I'm a Christian, in effect, you are saying, I live my life in imitation of Christ. Now, if you are living your life that is contrary to that imitation of Christ, then you are hurting the cause of Christ. You are hurting the name of Christianity. And you're adding to the pool of people who say, I don't want to be a Christian because all Christians are hypocrites. Has anybody, has you ever, ever heard that? Anybody? Three people? Okay, a little bit more. I will not want to be a Christian all the Christians are hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. I not want to go to church because the hypocrites. Well, listen, let's just get real. Isn't everyone in some way a hypocrite? You go, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I, there ain't nobody at church but hypocrites. I'm like, well, come join us and we'll have one more. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) So what? Everybody has a little hypocrisy somewhere. I mean, okay, I won't go there. I won't go there. But we're an example. Paul says, I'm an example. And not only was Paul an example, but get this, Paul was not afraid to set himself up as an example, watch this, to follow. Now that's different. You're an example, that's one thing, but are you an example to follow? In other words, listen, could you say to someone, I live my life in such a way that, are you listening, huh? I live my life in such a way that you can follow me around all day and I'm going to be a good witness for Christ. Ouch. I don't even know if I can say that, honestly. I mean, I I don't want you to follow me around all day. You're getting on my nerves. You need to go somewhere. Don't you got something to do? Follow me around all day long. It's like, ooh, I need my space. Get my 36 or a few blocks. Something. Can people watch your life, look at your life, follow your life day after day for one week and your life would speak of Christ? Paul says, my life, I'm an example and I'm an example that, I can, that you can follow in 1 Corinthians chapter four, memory verse, verse 16. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers or imitate me. Therefore, I urge you. Imitate me, 1 Corinthians four sixteen. Here's one for you to write down. First Corinthians 11, verse one. Be followers of me, even as I also follow, can you help me? Christ. Philippians chapter three, verse 17, write that down. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which also, which walk so as I have for an example. Look at them. You know, talking about an example, you know, I believe, listen, saints, I believe that unbelievers need to see Christianity in reality. Can you say a better amen than that? Amen. Unbelievers need to see us Christians as normal people with normal problems, with normal life situations. And then they can also see how we Christians with normal problems, with normal life situations, with normal circumstances, they get to see how God gets us through these trials. They they get to see how God gets us through circumstances. They get to see us go through the fire and they get to see us come out of the fire and we haven't been burned. We don't even smell like smoke, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get to see your life and what you go through, listen to me, and it glorifies, glorifies God. You see, what, what what happens is, we as Christians, we act like we don't go through anything. We act like we're holier than thou. And because we give into the pressure of people saying, well, if you're a Christian, your life should be perfect. And and if you're a Christian, you should never have problems. And if you have problems or if you have sickness or if there's anything wrong, then there must be sin in your life. There must be some bad. The church has bought into this idea of bad karma. Huh. I didn't say that first and second. I wish I had. The church has bought into the idea of bad karma. Well, you know what? You deserve what you got. I mean, you've done something wrong, so you deserve what you're getting right now. And if you hadn't done those things, you would, your life would be better. I mean, if you weren't in sin, these things wouldn't be happening. Well, you know what? Sometimes God will use a bad situation in your life and allow you to go through the fire just so you can come out unscathed, unburned, don't smell like smoke, so people can look at you and say, hey, how did you get through that? Then you get an opportunity to share the gospel with Jesus, you, about Jesus, you get an opportunity to tell them, listen, I didn't get myself through it. God did it. You get that opportunity. But if you never go through anything, this is why I wholeheartedly, with every fiber of who I am, I reject the idea that Christians should never go through trial. I reject that. It's not biblical. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, yes. Oh, here's a memory verse, a promise for you. Yea, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus. Somebody help me. Shall, shall suffer persecution. I knew y'all knew it. Y'all just was trying to... Y'all didn't want to show anybody up. I, I, I know. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer Persecution. So we go through persecution, we go through things in our lives, and what that does is it allows us to be able to give glory to God. Don't you understand? It allows us to be able to witness, truly witness for Christ. It allows us, do you realize that suffering and trial and fire has the ability to purify and so we pray, Lord, I want to be like you. Oh, Lord, I want to be like you. God, I just want to be, I want to be holy and I just want to be like you. And God says, are you sure? And Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, God, I just want to be like you. Oh, WWJD, I just want to be like you. I mean, all, all this Christian E stuff, I, I mean, whatever. You know, I want to be like you, God. And God says, OK, well, then I'll send you some trials. I'll send you some circumstances. I'll send you some suffering. Hey, I'll reduce your finances. Hey, maybe there'll be some issues on your house and maybe you're going to lose some things and you're going to go through some things. What are you talking about, Willis? I mean, God. <laughs> you see, we don't we don't want to go through anything to be like God. When in fact, if you're going to be like Jesus, here's Christianity one oh one. If you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to go through something. And when you come out on the other side, you've grown up, you've been purified, you've been made whole, you've been blessed, you have learned, you have matured. And you're more like Jesus. And the very thing that you prayed for is the very thing that you got. But the very thing that you didn't know you were going to get the thing that you got and how you were going to get it. God wants to do a work in your life, and God wants to, to, to make, you, make you more like him. And Paul says, listen, I'm not afraid to set myself up as an example. Point number two, listen, we got to move on. A true minister shares the gospel despite infirmity. Would you just kind of peruse, if you will, verses 13, 14, and 15? Paul says, you know that because of physical infirmity, I preach the gospel. Now, what was the physical infirmity, Rodney? Well, I don't know. Listen at this. Some scholars believe that Paul suffered with depression. Did you know that? And some scholars believe that Paul suffered with epilepsy. And some believe that Paul's physical infirmity had to do with a malaria problem, which is very likely because Paul had gotten this problem, could have gotten this problem from the lowlands in the region of Pamphylia in the city of Pergama, which we will find malaria is very common in that area. I want you to take a look at verse 14. As Paul says, even with this trial, they did not reject him, but they embraced him. And if it were possible, Paul says, they would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him. Now, listen, give me your attention. Look at me. Because of that statement, most scholars believe that Paul had a problem with his eyes that maybe he had runny eyes or constant infection in his eyes because of this statement, hey, if you guys embraced me and if it were possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Paul had runny eyes. You know, we think of Paul the Apostle, people think of Paul the Apostle as this nice-looking, tall guy, you know, great orator, you know, nice pecs, nice, you know... Nice, nice everything. You know, we think, people think that Paul was like that kind of guy. When in fact, history tells us, scholars tell us, Paul wasn't like that at all. Paul was like this short, scrawny kind of guy. He had a ball head and I sound like I'm describing myself here. I mean, <laughs> no, Paul was really nice looking and just a lovely guy. And, 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 and actually, you know, and, and they believe he had like little sprouts of hair and a hooked nose, runny eyes. This is what history tells us Paul would have looked like. And so we think, you know, Paul looks like this kind of guy. When Paul is the kind of guy who would walk right by you in the church and you would not know that was Paul the apostle, the greatest disciple, the greatest apostle who ever lived Paul could walk right by you and you would never think, hey, that is the guy that I am reading two thirds of the New Testament. And by what he teaches and by what he says, I am trying to live my life, of course, with what Jesus says, but with what he teaches in this New Testament. You would never, ever know that because of the way he looked, because man judges the outward, But God looks at the... And we're looking at Paul going, oh, it can't be him. I mean, that guy, I can't use him. I mean, look, look, at him. look at him. And in fact, that's the man God used. So Paul had these runny eyes, and many Bible scholars believe that these runny eyes is constant infection in his eyes, it's constant infirmity in his flesh. You know, when he talks about 2 Corinthians 12, But Paul talks about a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me and there was an infirmity in my flesh. Many Bible scholars believe this infirmity had to do with his runny eyes. And he's telling these Galatians that at first they received him and they embraced him. And if it were possible, they would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him. Now, listen, even if they plucked out an eye and gave it to Paul, this is a gift that no one can use. But the point is, listen, they were ready to do anything for Paul. Now, side note here. For those of you who don't believe that God can use sickness for his glory, listen to, are you listening to Paul? For those of you who don't believe that God can use sickness, I said, God can use sickness for his glory. He will use it for his glory and for your good. Remember that his glory, you're good. His glory, you're good. You listen to what Paul is saying here. Well, there are people who will tell you that you should never be sick because if you are sick, then there must be sin in your life. And Paul says, you know how, because of the physical infirmity that I preached the gospel at first. In other words, through the intermediate agency of illness, I came to you. Paul isn't saying I came to preach the gospel to you despite the fact that I was sick. That's not what he's saying. He's saying through my illness, I came and I preached. In other words, saints, watch this, listen to this. Because of this infirmity that God allowed in my life, Paul is saying, churches were birthed and blessed in Galatia. Paul is saying because of the sickness that God allowed in my life, churches were birthed in Galatia. And I can't help but read that and understand that and think of Banu Pradesh. He has HIV, I told you, at the Freedom Foundation, actually in the city of Ballaram, India. Banu was abandoned at the age of about six months, they believe. He was taken to a home, about a year and a half later, they realized he had HIV, they put him back on the corner. Again, 1.2 million children on the corners, on the streets, with HIV, sicknesses, diseases, impotent, lame, you name it, that's what they have in India. So a year and a half later, Banu's back out on the street, someone finds him again. This time, he's about two years old and they take him to the Freedom Foundation. Manu is probably about 10 or 11. He's about 10 or 11 right now. And when he um, got to the Freedom Foundation, they they began to care for him and to give him medicines. The first time I went to India, which was now many years ago, I I think I've told you this before, I, I did not like India at all. I was there for one week and I'm thinking, what am I doing in this God forsaken place? I need to get out of here. And so I'm counting the days. I got to get out of here. I have got to get out of here. Until we went to the Freedom Foundation. Now we're going to the Freedom Foundation, which is an HIV orphanage for children. I know that we're going to visit some children. So I decided to take a gift. So I purchased a multicolored turkey beanie baby. And so I go to the Freedom Foundation with a bunch of other people. I've got this multicolored turkey beanie baby. I walk into the foundation and I see this little boy sitting in the chair and he had on a multicolored shirt, the same colors that was in the turkey beanie baby. And I thought, God thing, God thing, I'm supposed to give this to him. So I walk up to him and I, hey, here. I give him the turkey beanie baby. He takes it. And I look into this boy's eyes, and his eyes, or at that time, were as big as like fifty cent pieces. They were huge, and the darkest, the fattest little chunky monkey you could just eat him up. I mean, he was the cutest little boy you ever seen in your life. And I picked him up, and I haven't put him down since. It's been seven years now. So I picked him up, and I smelled something foul odor. And I noticed a piece of cotton in his ear. I said to the caretaker, I said, what's this smell coming from him? She said he has HIV and it's affecting his brain stem and there's infection coming out of his ear area because of the HIV. And I remember my heart was just broken at that point and I was holding him I held him so long as a matter of fact I fell asleep someone took a picture I have that picture in my office right now of me holding him at that moment asleep and he um, so at at that point you know I knew that uh, my life changed I think my life changed then a marked moment in my life when my life changed and I thought, I've got to come back.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times,